I love that you can move them easily. They make my workspaces much more flexible. I like how quiet they are. I can sit inside and feel all calm, but still feel part of what's going on around me. I like what they cost. They're talking about Nook, the award-winning wellness-certified family of pods, booths, and shelters which make a workplace more flexible and more inclusive. Go to nookpod.com to find out more. Welcome back to the Work Bowl podcast, where we chat with the leaders in commercial real estate to answer all questions, space as a service. This podcast is for anyone involved in commercial real estate in any way. If you're an investor, fund manager, developer, property manager, agent, or broker, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. I'm your host, Caleb Parker, and this is the third episode of our MIPA mini-series, sponsored by TSK. In this episode, I'm joined by WorkBold podcast alum Tom Duncan, head of research and investment strategy from Cromwell Property Group. Tom was my distinguished guest on episode seven of season six, titled Why Office Investors Must Act with Conviction in the Current Market, where we discussed his recent white paper, diving into what he called the age of space as a service. He returned for this MIPA edition to give us an update on their strategy including Cromwell's wooden building concept. We also talk about taking risks and pursuing innovation in real estate and how to balance that with the need to actually minimize risk when making huge investments. Be sure to listen to find out about the three M's that drive Cromwell's thinking and why space as a service is a major driver. Here's a quick intro to Tom in case you didn't hear his episode last season. Tom is responsible for setting the research strategy for Cromwell's international platform. His team analyzes market, economic, and thematic change to provide research and advice to the business, its clients, and investors on investment opportunities and risks. His advice supports the investment decision-making process, informs new fund launches, and the allocation of capital expenditure within existing mandates. Tom joined Cromwell in 2021 from Swiss Life Asset Managers, Europe's largest institutional owner of real estate, where he spent four years and was actually Director of Strategy and Innovation with research responsibility across Europe. Prior to that, he spent two years at JLL in the UK as an associate director in the corporate research team. And previously, he spent five years working in Australia at Hill PDA, an economic consultancy, and Colliers International as head of NSW Act Research. Tom holds a master's degrees in property development from UTS Sydney and town and country planning from the University of Sheffield. Just a reminder, this was recorded on-site at MIPM, so you're going to hear some background noise, which is all part of the experience this season. What you won't hear, though, on this episode is the fun offline conversation Tom and I had with our friends on the Place Northwest boat event later that day. But I've included a photo in the show notes. You may have heard this in our trailer episode for this season, but I am proud to say that TSK have joined us on the Workable Podcast once again as our sponsor for Season 7. And if you listen to last season, you'll know they're leading the way in signing and delivering inspirational workplaces that are both flexible and become collaborative hubs for people as they help us navigate the sometimes confusing nature of modern work. TSK regularly publish thought leadership, research, and a lot of insightful content featuring their clients, partners, and their own team about workplace, commercial interiors, hybrid working, and case studies of those who have reimagined the workplace for our new ways of working. You can check out the latest publications and video content at tskgroup.co.uk or check the links in the show notes below. So what do TSK's clients say about their work? Here's a cool clip that I like. I think you got us from the outset and we were lucky in that we'd seen already what you had delivered for us in Media City and we wanted something very similar yet different. 
TSK brought all of that to the table with us and uh, helped us work through that and what it meant for us and how we wanted to use the space going forward. TSK pretty much came on board straight away and provided us with all the key visuals that we were going to use, which we then shared out with staff. What the TSK team have done in the design and built here is genuinely incredible. I'll be quite open and say I was a little bit sceptical about spending so much money uh, on a project like this, but what has been delivered is sensational. And I'm looking forward to seeing this being the blueprint for offices for Entain uh, across the globe. Jeff, let's start the interview with Tom. Welcome back to the Work Bowl podcast, uh, the MIPM mini series sitting in our nook, our mobile podcast nook. Super excited to be here. If you hear that background noise, it's because we're at MIPM. And we are joined by Tom Duncan with Cromwell Property Group. Uh, you might remember Tom from last season. He shared a lot of really good insight on how Cromwell is looking at the future of real estate, future of offices, uh, and the white paper they did. But Tom, welcome back. Thank you for being here. How are you finding MIPM so far? I'm finding MIPIN great so far. Um, it's good, great to be back in person, uh, not just so we can get together face-to-face, Caleb, but also so that we can meet um, other other clients, colleagues, uh, and it feels like it's been a while. Well, so, I was hoping you came just to, to, to see me, so... <laughs> it was a major, major attraction. Okay, but, fair uh, enough. Yeah. Uh, kidding, of course. But uh, so what, what sort of opportunities are you looking for here at mm. MIPIN? Well, my focus and us um, as a business at the moment is around our new pan-European strategy, so here launching that strategy. We had a launch event this morning and that is focusing on all sectors across European real estate and where we see the value and, and also some of the risks that we see coming through. So in the offices sector, space of, as a service is a big part of that given, um, as we discussed last time, that the future of the office is much more user-focused user and uh, that requires a different type of space. And uh, we think that there'll be winners and losers from this trend and so trying to get ahead of that trend. But I, say, I, I would say that the same structural forces are at play in all other real estate segments, so retail, logistics, alternative and living as well. So we've been here kind of setting out our views on what we think the future holds across all sectors and what we think that means for real estate investing. So then here at MIPM, uh, you had your, your event this morning and what sort of feedback did you get? Uh, well, positive feedback, but uh, yeah, it's uh, kind of face to face. So always kind of positive feedback and I think the proof of the pudding will be in the, the eating uh, yes um, but uh, I mean it's it seems to me I was here two years ago it seems to have the same buzz as it had then it seems to have the same intensity of activity and um, yes it's really really enjoying being back and being able to meet people face to face I think it's it's long overdue you mentioned pan-european product um, mm-hmm. can you elaborate on that Yes, I mean, we, we have another uh, number of different irons in the fire, as it were, um, but uh, various different product launches, but uh, perhaps the most exciting um, is around our wooden buildings concept, which is investing in wooden buildings across Europe, uh, in across all asset classes. Um, does that mean you're, you're looking to buy them or you're building them? Both, I mean, we'll be yeah, funding and uh, you're buying existing assets and so across the whole piece uh, because we believe that sustainability environmental factors are, are going to be key to performance going forward in fact i think it will be the number one driver of performance within the next sort of three years and although the market has progressed in some ways and, and is now cognizant of this i think many people are still underestimating the severity of the change that will come and the steepness of that performance polarization 
So I think a wooden buildings concept uh, where we're helping to kind of live um, the rhetoric, uh, the environmental rhetoric, uh, really through action that will make a meaningful difference is quite exciting to me. And uh, are you getting lots of interest from investors then saying that they want to be a part of that new vehicle and, and focus on the, the ESG initiatives? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's environmental benefits from uh, pursuing a strategy like this. But there's also uh, cold, hard financial benefits as well, given that we know occupiers like being in wooden buildings. There's a number of productivity benefits that come from being around wood. Can you talk about that? Because why would, why would someone want to be in a wood building versus something else? Mm. Well, I mean, just basic human psychology that uh, being close to wood, being around wood makes people feel more relaxed. Um, you know, there's behavioral science which kind of backs this up in the same way that including biophilia and, and greenery within a building helps to have a calming influence, helps to sort of purify the air. There's a range of tangible physical benefits that come from being around and working in wooden buildings in terms of productivity. Um, also rental performance is a bit stronger. Um, has been. We've done some calculations and, and looked at analysis around the minority of wooden buildings that there are in Europe at the moment and we think there's about a 10% rental premium for wooden buildings because of that demand from occupiers, not just around demonstrating that they are living what they're breathing in terms of the environmental philosophy and wanting to occupy real estate that helps support that, but also in terms of supporting employee health and well-being, given the clear demonstrable impacts from that. Well, I think my friend Benjamin Bach over in Canada will appreciate this. He's a big fan of the wooden buildings as well. Um, look, in the last uh, episode you did with me, one of my favorite quotes, if I paraphrase a little bit, you said that investors have to act with conviction uh, going forward. And um, are you seeing investors acting with conviction now? I think uh, we are seeing some, uh, including ourselves, I would say. Um, but still, yeah, I mean, it's... Um in many cases, it involves going against uh, slightly the market perception. And so that takes courage and it takes conviction, as we discussed. So, yeah, I think um, the moment everyone is, is singing from the, the same hymn sheet and, and doing the same type of deals, that is when, you know, those conviction calls are not going to be as important, which means that perhaps you're looking at the wrong part of the market, in my view. You're following the herd when it's important to make sure you're leading the herd. Well, I think the... Um biggest question and I'm curious how you guys approach this with uh, managing the risk aspect because mm -hmm. you're right you know leading with conviction and taking bold risk if I may um, these are all great you know it sounds galvanizing and exciting mm -hmm. but the fact is we're talking about millions and millions if not billions of dollars and pounds mm -hmm. at, at risk so how do you balance as at, how does Cromwell balance mm -hmm. um, taking these risks when mm -hmm. making sure that they're not doing the wrong thing mm -hmm. Well, I mean, you can you can always do your best, and we don't know for sure. Um, but uh, the way we approach it is through a investment strategy that combines top-down research-led investment themes and ideas, um, and then we combine that with bottom-up property market fundamentals using our local teams. So the advantage, one of the advantages of Cromwell is that we have pan-European team with teams embedded in their local markets. They can provide information around pricing, local market trends, occupier dynamics. And over across the whole piece, we overlay the research um, strategy, which is sort of my focus, where we see the opportunities coming and what we think that means for real estate. And if I can just summarize at a high level, our investment strategy, which was hot off the press today, but we see three areas of opportunity really, which we call in with three M's. These are megatrends, momentum, and mispricing. Megatrends. Momentum. Momentum. And mispricing. And mispricing. I like that. Three M's. 
Mm. It can't be two because you have chocolate little candies, right? Exactly. Yeah, it get confusing, <laughs> wouldn't it? It would be. Sorry, I have to make those uh, cheesy jokes sometimes because um, I'm, I'm an American. But um, so, okay, uh, you know I'm going to ask questions about space as a service because mm-hmm. I would imagine that has to be one of the mega trends. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, can you, what, can you t- what can you talk about in regards to your strategy when it comes to space as a service? Mm. Well, we see it as being very important to providing a service to, to occupiers because not just in offices but in every other asset class, we see real estate that's going to preserve and enhance its value in the future as being user-focused. And what does that mean in reality? It means real estate that is focused on what the occupiers need, anticipating what the occupiers need and adapting to it in real time. So you need to have flexible real estate, you need to have efficient real estate, and you need to have real estate that's part of the climate change solution and not just a problem. And I think within that space as a service, it's a flexible model. It really is responsive to what occupiers need and because it really is they can vote with their feet if you're not delivering the right type of product. So that forces you to provide something which is uh, neat, you know, which really aligns with what they need. And uh, yeah, the proof, as I, if I may use the phrase again, is in the in the eating really with that. So um, you know, your your basically your worth and your rental value is really tied up in how much it occupies value. That it's not because they're tied into a long lease that maybe doesn't suit their needs. That's the old way of real estate. It's dead, um, and it will well. It will soon become dead if it's not there yet. But um, you know, the, the new type of real estate is around having conviction that what you're providing is is needed by the market. It's, it's wanted by occupiers, and thus you can be prepared to have a different type of model that's not based on having a long lease that's secure. Well, you know, I was um, I can't say the names, but uh, I'm working on a deal right now, and uh, practically speaking, we've been looking at. Um, the tours that they're doing. It's a new, it's a new building uh, they've, they've just launched and um, all the tours they're doing with uh, bigger customers coming in, uh, they're all asking about you know, what is your solution to Flex, which is why we're, we're having this conversation around the deal that we're working on. Yes. Um, they brought us in to help solve for that. That's part of the leasing strategy. But the challenge is, is that the, the Flex component um, and the, the whole service-driven um, model that slides into that and layers on top of the asset um, the revenue that generates from that, because it's not guaranteed long term, uh, doesn't get recognized in the same way as the revenue on a you know 20 year lease. So therefore, they're having issues with financing the launch of, of this business, this, this space as a service business, into the asset. Because what they've done is they've gone back to their lender uh, and they said, okay, we need to top up the facility by X amount. Uh, to be able to, to drive this and the lender said well why and they said well because it's going to increase the chances of us leasing out the rest of the building because all the occupiers want this all the customers want this mm. and so the lender said well what percentage is it going to increase right they said 10 15 percent they said no 72 percent we've done the math um 72 percent of the customers has come through anyway so make a long story short um they've said no mm. they said no so now the developers haven't defined a third party uh, to, to, to figure out how to finance this, uh, mm. right? And, and the, the, the issue around this is the value, the way the revenue that comes in, because it's not guaranteed, mm. it might be, you might see value from having a higher amount of revenue in that space, and you might see value from being able to fill the rest of the space because customers want that. But because it's not wrapped into a long-term lease, the value's not recognized. Uh, what's your view on that? Mm. I mean, I think uh, it's a really interesting example. I think that is kind of endemic of the market because education still still needs to occur and there is a lot of that kind of 
what I would describe as an antiquated time, time uh, antiquated mindset really about um, real estate has changed and whether or not everyone who's involved in real estate understands that yet yeah, doesn't get us away from the fact that real estate has changed. So that will be an educational piece and um, it does in some ways create greater risk in a pure leasing sense, there's no doubt about that because you used to have a long lease, now you don't. But the other structural risks that are around for, for providing something which doesn't meet what occupiers want is bigger. So yeah, I think it requires educational piece. Uh, there's a lot more to do. I think it's got better, but there's certainly a lot more to come. But for a real estate investor, because there isn't that market-wide understanding yet, that's an opportunity, I think, to kind of fill that gap that's not being serviced market-wide and that's capture performance. Well, I'm hoping that we have some investors that have strong convictions, uh, as you say, to go out and, and lead the charge on this and help shape the industry looking looking forward and, and change this valuation mm. consideration. Yeah, I think um, if you look at sort of developments that are really leading, really the field, one example that really springs to mind for me is 22 Bishopsgate, which I know is a building you, you, you know well. And uh, looking at what uh, Axler have done there, I think has been really impressive. The, the type of occupiers they've got in there, the rents, and also if you go into that that building, what they're doing with the space and how they're using it is really kind of thought leading and that's the future direction of travel in my view. And you can see that, that some people that get it are really starting to unlock that value. And the more of that that happens and the more that brings awareness to the broader market, I think the more and more we'll get this trend towards providing something that the users want, which is spaces as a service, which is, is the dawn of, of the new age that we think um, at Cromwell that we're in, which is space as a service in the office market. Well, thank you so much, Tom, for stopping by. Really appreciate you sharing today again with us on the Workbook Podcast. Uh, good luck with the Pan-European product, and I look forward to continuing our offline conversations. Indeed. Thank you, Caleb. Thank you for listening, and until next time, take care of yourself. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. And remember, fortune favors the bold. Drum roll, please. P.S. If you want to find out about future-proofing your portfolio, head over to newflex.com. Making high-quality podcasts like this takes a lot of work. That's a fact, but not when you hire Copus. With our white glove experience, we handle everything for you from guest outreach all the way through publishing and promotion. We handle it all. You show up to hold great interviews like these and build relationships with your guests. We take care of everything else. Podcasting is not just about the audience. Every podcast interview is the start of a brand new relationship. With a weekly podcast, you would build relationships with 52 ideal partners or prospects through podcast interviews over the next 12 months. Do you believe 52 new relationships could grow your business? We do. Why not contact me today, jason at copus.com, J-A-S-O-N at K-O-P-U-S.com. And let's talk.